All right. Welcome back to the Freedom Chasers podcast. Today, listeners, we got a treat for you. Have you ever thought about franchising? Have you ever been curious about the world behind some of the most successful brands? Then our guest today is the person to talk to. He's the CEO of Fran Bridge Consulting, a name that's risen to the top in franchise consult consultation. But that's not all. He's been there, done that, being a former Fortune 500 franchise president and having the experience of a multi-brand franchisee. Oh, and did I mention he's a best-selling author too? Non-food franchising. Yep, that's his masterpiece. And if you're an avid reader of Forbes, Inc. or Bloomberg, you've surely come across his expert insights. Please welcome the franchise guy, John Austinberg. Thank the you for franchise joining us, guy. Absolutely, Tim. <laughs> excited to be here. Appreciate you having me. All right. Yeah. So, so let's jump into it, man. So like what types of opportunities are out there in the franchise world as of today? Yeah. You know, where we see, first I'll say, we've never seen so much interest in franchising, you know, and we're doing uh, placements all across the country, even in areas that don't get a lot of positive news coverage, you know, Los Angeles, New York, but plenty of small towns in between. And um, yeah, I'd say people are waking up to the fact that franchising is a lot more than fast food. And, uh, you know, I love educating on that topic, but you know, we see a lot of interest in what I'd say are understandable businesses that cash flow in some cases that I, I jokingly call them boring businesses. You know, it's things like that, that aren't trendy, aren't sexy. They're not going out of style. So it's things like home and property services. You know, maybe it's insulation or gutters or dumpsters or floor coatings. Um, you know, maybe it's restoration like the surf pros of the world. Um, yeah, but in, then other, in other markets, maybe oil changes or, you know, we see a lot of interest in health and wellness. Um, you know, I, we're still doing some deals in the fitness world, but I'd say that's slowed down a little bit. But health and wellness, things like men's testosterone clinics or, um, you know, there's different niches. You know, and, and overall, I'd say, you know, one theme that we've been talking about for several years now, and I don't know if it'll ever come to pass, but you know, if we were to have some kind of pullback in the economy, uh, some sort of recession, you know, we, we've all been guessing it's coming for about 10 years still. Most people would say isn't here yet. Maybe it's here. We don't know. Um, yeah, but what if things do go a little bit softer? What kind of business do you want to own? And you know, I always go back to what will people spend on regardless? It's their kids, their pets, their aging parents, you know, who are seniors, um, you know, to some degree, their home, their health. And so those types of businesses that I'd say are a little more needs based versus discretionary. That's where we see a lot of the activity today. Okay, I have to ask, I'm looking at your book behind you, why the distinction non-food? Yeah, first off, I, I'd say we love the guys that, that, that get involved in food. We certainly need them. That's a lot of hard work. My humble belief is there are easier ways to make money, and that's what I've seen firsthand. Um, certainly, you know, if you own 75 Jimmy Johns, you're going to do well. But overall, it's a much better path to business ownership, in my opinion, to, to go into some of these other sectors. And that's where most of my clients would agree. So um, non-food, it's kind of that contrarian view on it. Um, but I just feel when you look at the capital layout at the beginning of an investment, you look at the day-to-day -day operations, the size team you need, the hours that, that go into it, uh, inventory margins, what you can potentially make as an upside, uh, there's just a lot of better options out there. No kidding. Um, we went we went into this before the show a little bit. I have the food background, and it's, yeah, you could buy a McDonald's, and but if you gross three million dollars a year, you're not actually making that much money. My store did three million dollars a year. It was a model store, and you know the the amount of net profit there was marginal compared to the amount of money taking in. Obviously, there's a bunch of industries out there that have higher profit margins. Let's talk about those. Let's get a broad strokes overview of what types of industries are good to buy into right now. 
Yeah. You know, we just had a client sign uh, our 10th client get into senior care. Now, senior care is a crowded space, highly fragmented market. You know, obviously there's a lot of need out there, but you do have a lot of turnover from caregivers. Uh, so as an example, you, you know, the, the one that our clients are getting involved in is one that, you know, it was founded by someone that's been in the industry for decades. And they said, there's a better mousetrap to be had and how we match, make, you know, with, with clients and kind of put responsibilities where they need to be. Um, so anyway, that one's been flying. Um, you know, we youth soccer, you know, have had a lot of interest there. We've had seven or eight clients, you know, around the country buying the youth soccer program. Um, you know, one that I can share from a, you know, I, I think this would be a good example because we had nine or 10 clients buy into this one last year. It's a gutter business, gutter installations, $6 billion industry, again, highly fragmented, um, you know, but it's a needs-based business. We had everyone from a Wall Street attorney in Boston to doctors in Portland buy this, insurance guys, corporate executives, all different types of backgrounds that had no previous experience in anything related to gutters or dumpsters. Now, you might joke that the attorney had gutter experience, but um, that's beside the point. Um, but let's just break that one down. And I'd say the financials on this one are attractive. That's why we had a lot of people buy into them. Uh, but I think it's a good example. So all in investment, if you were to buy two territories, that's about 500,000 in population. All in investment, working capital, franchise fee, startup costs, you're right around 200000 capital outlay at the beginning. Some clients will use an old retirement plan. Some will use SBA funds. You know, there are different ways to fund that. Um, but their average franchisee across the country in that system is doing $1.7 a year in revenue. $1.7 translates to the bottom line a little better than McDonald's would translate to the bottom line. Um, they actually run the business on average at 27% EBITDA or net margins. So you're making 27 cents of every dollar in revenue into the day. So let's just, you know, we'll round down, call it 500,000. Well, their average franchisees the year before last year were averaging 1.2 million in revenue. So you're seeing a really nice comp growth. To me, that says, hey, that franchisor is doing a good job on the marketing side, supporting their franchisees. And so when you buy into a business like this, yes, you're getting the cash flow, obviously 500000 on an investment of 200000 We would do that all day. Um, obviously, you know, nothing's easy. I don't want to sugarcoat it. You're standing up a business, but you do have that franchise on the sideline supporting you and helping you do that. Um, you know, but you're building the cash flow. You're all, also able to write off expenses as a business owner that you couldn't as a W-2. You can hire your kids, get some tax benefits there. I do that all the time I, with my business. Um, you know, doing it legally above board. But then you're also building an asset that one day you're going to be able to sell. And so, you know, it's kind of this three prong cash flow, tax benefits, building an asset that has exit value. Uh, that's how we think about it. OK, so somebody is out there looking to start a business and they don't know if they should boots on the ground, start it from the ground up themselves. I mean, that's a lot of work um, versus buying a franchise. Um, how would you weigh the pros and cons of that? Yeah. You know, I'd start by saying franchising is not for everybody. Some people want to put their thumbprints all over a business and they're just too entrepreneurial. And, and I have to tell some of my clients that. However, for I would argue that the majority of people out there being able to step in and have a playbook on day one, you know there's a path to profitability. You're not questioning that. And you know what that can look like and what steps you need to take. It's just about executing. You've got a coach on that sidelines in the franchise or you've got other franchisees around the country living the same thing day in, day out. You're exchanging best practices and learnings from them. It just kind of helps you start on third base instead of first base. And, and then there's small things. I mean, maybe that franchisor is able to help you source inventory or equipment or even digital marketing services at a better rate because they're buying in bulk. 
They also have large data sets. So year one, you know, as you're opening up, you're not having to guess at what the best marketing optimization would look like because they already have that figured out for other comparable markets. Um, and so I'd say those are the, the benefits. Again, the downside would be, hey, you're, you're having to live within the lines. You know, a good franchisor is going to let you test things and innovate, but you can't go change up the brand. You know, that, that's important. Um, you know, another one other pro, uh, you know, when you think about that exit, um, you know, the multiple that you're able to trade at, there have been studies done to show that franchising, um, you know, on a like kind basis to non-franchise businesses and give in certain industries, you know, you typically trade at a higher multiple. So I'm happy to go into more detail on that. But, um, you know, a lot of pros <laughs> versus cons in my mind. Um, but again, you want to get in bed with the right franchise or or else. That could be a big negative, and that's where we help our clients find the right ones. Um, yeah, absolutely correct. Um, obviously, you're going to get a, a better multiple because you have all the franchisees. Essentially, you're trying to go in the same direction. You're building a business um, wherever, nationwide, or, or however the franchise or chooses to run that model. You're all trying to go in the same direction. So in theory, there's a lot of people working together, so the, the exit multiple should be much higher. Um, you said something very, very important. How do you find the right franchisor? Yeah, you know, you can certainly Google around out there. The challenge is going to be that even when you look at a top 100 franchise list, a lot of those companies paid to be on the list. That's a PR move. So you, you want to understand what's going on behind the scenes. And that's where we come in. Uh, you know, it's entirely free to work with us. We're funded by the franchise companies when placements happen, very much like a real estate model. Um, you know, there's zero cost to you. Um, if you went directly to a franchise or went through us, you pay the same franchise fee. So what our process looks like, Tim, is we've really streamlined it because we work largely with executives and, you know, kind of higher level folks that don't have a lot of time. So, you know, we'll jump on a half hour call, ask a few leading questions, gather some information have them fill out an online profile that takes two or three minutes. And then about a week later, we'll come back to them and walk them through usually 10 to 12 opportunities in their market that, you know, these are the ones that have uh, the competitive advantages within their industry. They've got the financial model. They've got the uh, leadership team that has been there, done that, and not only has industry experience, but also robust franchise experience. So you know, through our vetting, we work with over 600 franchise companies. We narrow that down to the ones that are the best fit for you that also are available in your market, that if I'm in your shoes, here are the ones I want to be looking at. So we'll take you through that. Typically, our clients will say, hey, of those, here are the three or four that resonate the most. We'll make introductions to the franchisors um, on their behalf. And they may get off that first call to the franchisor and say, hey, John, that's not for me. But so oftentimes, that's when the magic starts happening, Tim, is the one that was number four in their mind going in, pops up to number one. Over 90% of our clients end up purchasing something that was never on their radar. So that's fun when you see those light bulb moments. But franchisor will take them through a series of calls, expose them to all facets of the business, let them talk to existing franchisees. And uh, we're there to kind of support them along the way and get on touch-based calls and bring in funding resources or franchise attorney, uh, kind of a one-stop shop for them. Absolutely. And when they are interviewing franchisors, what are the red flags that you would encourage people to look for? Yeah, you know, I want to be, and again, I own most multiple franchises myself. I, I look to partner with franchisors that care about their franchisees, who they bring in the system. They won't just invite everyone to join them. They're somewhat selective on, hey, we want we want to take in the best candidates. Um, and that, that just helps the strength of the system. So I'd say, you know, if they're too salesy or too open-minded, I mean, anything, there, there's some sales component to it. But I think those that really want to get to know you and not just show you, you know, what, what the opportunity is, 
um, you know, also franchisors that have experience. If they, if it is more of, let's say, an emerging company, and they have good industry experience, I want to see that they've invested in good franchise backgrounds, industry veterans that have supported successful franchisees and brought them in. I'd say that's probably my biggest one. Um, you know, and then it's you know they're not dodging questions. You know, they're able to answer the questions thoughtfully that that you need to know. Um, you know, it, it's a partnership, and that's why I tell my clients, mm-hmm. hey. We can get a lot of information. It could sound great. I want you to go to that discovery day, show up at their home office where they'll take you to dinner or go through, you know, meet their entire team who's going to be supporting you. Make sure it's a good culture fit too. I mean, this is going to be, you know, you're going to be aligned. It's going to be your business partner. And what's interesting, Tim, I'd say one third of our clients are looking to run the business day to day. Two thirds are looking to go with what we call semi-absentee or semi-passive where, you know, they put a manager in place to run the day to day, allows them to continue doing other things. And I want to see the franchisor supportive of whatever situation they're looking to approach the business with. Absolutely. I know from experience, that's tremendous advice. Um, I wish somebody was giving me that advice. Um, John, I I need to ask this. So when you're analyzing or if you're recommending franchises, um, do you look at the niche, uh, the niche owner fit or do you look at opportunity fit more than anything? By niche niche ownership, let's elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. Um, so, like, say for example, if I was to buy a franchise, um, obviously I'm in real estate. It makes sense for me to buy a real estate franchise. So, do you look at for that kind of fit, or do you look more towards opportunity when you're working with somebody? Yes, yeah, so we try to show wide variety. We want to show what's best in class across a variety of industries, and really you know, build a strong assortment for our clients to go through. Because um, oftentimes they don't know what they're looking for until it's right in front of them. It's like, hey. I've been in real estate. I, I'd say probably eighty percent of our clients invest in real estate. You know, they see franchising as first off, there aren't too many good real estate deals out there right now. But they see franchising as another alternative investment in their portfolio. But some say, "Hey, I want to leverage that background." We had a real estate broker recently that said, "Hey, I'd love to get a property management company going. Why don't I you know, use a franchise that, that does that?" And, and he's just been off to the races, done great. Um, you know, we have others that are involved in real estate that say, "Hey, I'm looking to diversify a little bit and maybe." learn something new, try my skill sets as something different. So, you know, I'd say it's all of the above, depending on the client. I do have, you know, clients will come in and give me feedback like, hey, we want the fewest number of employees, highest return on investment. I think we'd all raise our hand to that, right? Um, Yeah, but some say, hey, we like the idea of not having a customer facing retail build out. Others say, hey, we like the idea of having a retail type franchise location. Um, you know, some say, Hey, I'm okay with a larger team or a smaller team. Here's my investment level. You know, I'm okay working with blue collar workers, or I really prefer to stay with white collar. Um, and so we kind of pick up on those things and it helps us narrow it down some, but I'm also going to go with the presupposition that our clients don't know exactly what they're looking for until it's in front of them. And then they say, wait a minute, you know, there's never going to be the perfect opportunity, but the pros outweigh the cons a lot. And I didn't even think about that. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. 
And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go and most importantly, how you want to get there, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Okay, so we kind of alluded to this. So a lot of real estate investors you mentioned might be buying into franchises. So what would be some good fits for a real estate investor in the franchise world? Yeah, you know, we mentioned property management, but I see that a lot of them say, hey, you know, we've got some multifamily, you know, in our portfolio, or we got single families, or we just really like the space. And so you say, I'm already using a lot of services. What if I were to just kind of insource those and then also provide them to other real estate investors or, or you know, tenants? And so we've seen them get involved in everything from, junk hauling, the dumpsters to insulation. Insulation is a $50 billion industry. Can you name one brand out there in insulation? Most people can't. You might be able to. But there's so much opportunity in these fragmented spaces where maybe it's a blue-collar field, but you bring in a white-collar approach to it. Um, it, You know, it's things, you know, like I said, floor coatings. It's kind of these non-sexy businesses, I'd say, that a lot of them get involved in. But then I have others that say, hey, you know, our skill set is finding locations or maybe already have a building. What would be a good fit for here, given the other tenants in the space? Um, so I'd say the majority of our real estate clients are a little bit more on the residential side than the commercial side, just on average, uh, though we do have plenty on the commercial side. And, and sometimes it's leveraging relationships. You know, when we kind of get them thinking of, hey, you know, what, how can we lower that cost of customer acquisition? Maybe it's through the referral network they currently have or they've already got you know, we had a client yesterday, he already has someone on his team that's kind of shown, you know, that they can run a business. And he's like, let's go promote them and buy a franchise that fits their skill set. Let them go run it. We'll give them some equity and go make us proud. A lot of our clients do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So dialing it back a little bit, as you mentioned, everybody wants a, a business that makes a lot of money and has very low overhead, <laughs> right? So let's lean into that a little bit. So how do you buy a franchise and have a somewhat passive income from it? Yeah, you know, for the longest time, I would say there's not a truly passive franchise, you know, they're all semi passive. Now, that there's an exception to that of late, there are four or five companies out there today that have been incredibly popular with our clients that offer a true passive option where the franchisor can actually run the business, manage the manager for you. Uh, you get on the phone maybe once or twice a month with the franchisor and um, you know make decisions, get a review of the business from the team. Um, it's kind of that holy grail that, hey, I get exposure here, but I don't have to run it myself. Um, so I'm hoping to see more of those in the years to come. I'm a big advocate for it. Um, I actually just bought into one myself. It's a business in the customer orthotics and footwear business. Uh, I live in Atlanta, but I'm putting my locations down in South Florida. Just signed the first lease about two months ago. We're in the build out phase now, but that's one where a great franchisor, he's going to be running the business for me, allows me to expand my portfolio. I've had to do a little bit of stuff here in the beginning, you know, sign the lease and 
you know, you know, set up bank accounts, but by and large going forward, I'm going to be able to look at my phone see what my performance is throughout the day. And yet I'm not running it. <laughs> there you go. That's the ideal scenario, right? Um, so let's talk about what it looks like to work with John. What does what the process look like if somebody wanted to buy a franchise and they were looking for assistance? What would that process look like? Yeah. So, you know, kind of jumped into that a few minutes ago. So I'd say, and just coupled with that, again, entirely free. You know, many of our clients will go through the process, ultimately decide, hey, it's not the right time for them or it's not the, the right thing. But so many, it's just, and this is so rewarding to me. I love seeing the light bulb come on uh, You know, when I'm exposing them to businesses that they never would have thought of on their own and kind of understanding what the day in the life of looks like. And you know, I'm able to glean from my experience as a franchisor and multi-brand franchisee and share those perspectives. So I just love being able to help people in that. And we've actually done, I believe, more placements than anybody else in the country the last two years. So um, we stay quite busy, but um, mm -hmm. you just work with great candidates. And, and, and so I love getting to know these different backgrounds, everyone from doctors and lawyers to corporate folks that may be eventually looking to leave, but they want to get something going on the side. You know, in the meantime, um, we work with a lot of existing business owners. We work with a lot of investors and, you know, real fast, I'll just touch on kind of the financial piece behind it. I'd say, you know, certainly we, we do some large, large deals out there. But a lot of what our clients are getting involved in, so many service-based businesses, you know, when you look at the franchise fee, startup costs, working capital, all in, you're kind of in that 150 to 300 range. And again, some people are using SBA loans. Those are very common or rolling over an old retirement plan or using a HELOC or just paying cash, record levels of cash on the sidelines right now. So we do see, see some cash buyers, but um, yeah, it is very achievable for a lot of people. Again, food would be a higher investment. A lot of these opportunities don't carry that same uh, the same cost. A higher investment, and it's a whole lot of work. Um, so be prepared if you're getting into the food industry. Um, that is, I, I want to say, it was the hardest I've ever worked in my life. Still, I obviously work very hard. I'm an entrepreneur, but I mean, in terms of just working constantly for full shift food is very, very challenging, and it's very stressful. Um, you're very, very pushed all the time. Um, I need to ask, like, who is the right fit for working with John Austinson? Yeah, you know, we've done deals this year for everyone from their 20s to the 60s. I'd say quite a few folks in their 30s to 50s. That was probably the sweet spot where most of them are. And um, yeah, everyone's got a different stage. You know, some people are looking to make that full-time jump. Uh, some are existing business owners. And they say, I want to build out my portfolio here. And we've got so many case studies, Tim, of, of clients that have done that. Um, you know, but then quite a few are looking to get something going on the side, you know, and eventually jump into it full-time or maybe... I just, you know, I had a client recently he, up in Philadelphia, C-level executive of a small company, and he bought in five locations of a fence and rail business back in the fall, came to me, and I guess it's been about four or five months now, but came to me and said, hey, John, I've got a great manager in place. I want to get another one of these going. What do you recommend? We looked at some opportunities. We bought into a business. This is a niche business, B2B. I love this one. It's a, a wall. It's a business that has temporary walls that go around construction sites in renovations mm -hmm. and such um and, and fell in love with the wall business and bought five or six territories of that one putting manager in place and he said hey hey i'll be back next year and uh you know, we'll do it again so um a lot of people do keep that day job but get it going on the side and it does take work unless you're in a truly passive mm -hmm. business it does take work i don't want to sugarcoat that but if you can find a manager that you can align yourself with and incentivize that franchise or on the sideline can, can be a great technical resource for that manager and take some of the burden off of you on a day-to-day -day basis. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would imagine a lot of people 
if you're familiar with Gino Wick and Wickman, they're buying franchises. They probably fit the visionary role far more than the integrator. So finding that manager is very important. I would definitely be in that court category. What does the SBA process look like? Yeah, and I was going to mention Gina Wickman's EOS traction system is now a franchise yeah. as well. So, oh, really? We we yeah. implemented that model. Yeah, so we use yeah. that. Let's talk about that a little bit then. Yeah. So, like, what? Yeah, I mean, is because like in my perspective, it's harder to find an integrator, a good integrator, than a visionary. There's tons of visionaries out there, a lot of people with great ideas, but it's really hard to actually put the ideas in motion and to manage the ideas because that's probably the most challenging part of it. So what would you recommend to somebody looking for an integrator or manager type role? Yeah, you know, in, in our own businesses and in a lot of our clients, I'd say oftentimes we, we've had great luck with um, guys and gals kind of in their mid to late 20s where they have gone out from college and in a lot of cases, you know, they've been grinding, but they're tired of the cubicle space and they want to go build something and they're hungry and you know, they like the idea of having a title, which, you know, title is free, um, but they also like the variable comp, higher ceiling potential with the business. Um, and so that's been a great, great uh, kind of pool to fish in. Um, you know, and then it also gives you the opportunity. I mean, there's kind of a you know, tangible way of, you know, giving back and, and supporting them and coaching them, giving them resources and, uh, you know, feedback along the way. Um, you know, that a lot of our clients have really enjoyed kind of that piece of it as well. Okay. And then do you assist them? Because I don't want to ask interview questions if, if that's not something that you guys do. Do you, assist them, do you assist them in finding a manager? Is that not something you guys provide? So we don't in-house, but we have a great recruiting partner that does. She runs a recruiting firm all across the country, and she's put together a plan for our clients where they can help find that individual. But you know, we'll do a good bit of talking about what to look for in our own experiences, uh, but she'll actually tee up the candidates for them. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, all right. So dialing back to what I mentioned before, like what does the SBA loan process look like? What would somebody expect to put down on, on a franchise that you, as you mentioned, like in the $150,000 to $300,000 range? Yeah, I'd say oftentimes the franchise fee piece of that total is around 50000 So oftentimes that's paid in cash and then the SBA loan may fund the rest of the business, the operations of the business. Um, you know, we, we've got a great partner, FranFund, that helps us with... Um, SBA loans, they take our clients through, through the process and they can bring franchise friendly lenders to the table. So unless you just happen to have a great SBA contact through a bank, um, you know, they do a really good job of bringing uh, a lot of great franchise friendly lenders to the table and offering terms on the loan. So I, again, partner company of ours that, um, you know, it kind of takes it soup to nuts. Um, yeah, there's paperwork to fill out. The nice thing about SBA is you can pay it back early. So once your cash flow and you can start to pay that down. Um, you know, obviously rates have gone up, you know, from where they were, just like everything else in the world, you know. Um, so some clients will opt for it because they like the idea of leveraging. Others say, hey, I'd rather not leverage and I'd rather pay in cash or roll over an old retirement plan. A lot of people do that as well. Okay, so, I mean, we're in the modern age here. We're in the digital age. Um, I imagine most, the majority of franchises are brick and mortar locations. Are there any digital opportunities out there in the franchise world? Well, first, I'd say half of the ones we work with are not uh, brick and mortar, at least not customer facing retail focuses. You may have a small industrial footprint in, in the future, but you usually don't have that day one. But then half of them would be the traditional brick and mortar. So it's, it's a good mix. Um, as far as digital, we do have a couple. There's a great business coaching franchise. There's one that's kind of a cost reduction analyst franchise um, that where you can take on clients all across the country. You know, you're working remote from home and so you don't need 
a location, you know, and then others, I'd say like the property services, you usually have a defined territory there in your market. So, um, yeah, I've seen a couple of digital marketing ones in the past, um, you know, not ones that, that I've necessarily chosen to get super involved with just, uh, you know, again, we're pretty selective on who we work with, but, um, mm -hmm. there are, there are a few that kind of fit some of those characteristics. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about you, John. Like, what attracted you to the franchising world? How did you end up in this niche in particular? Yeah, you know, really stumbled into it. So I spent many years in the corporate world and had a really good run, feel very blessed by the experience. But about seven years ago, I had the opportunity to go from a public company to a um, uh, you know, where I was a vice president to, to serve as president of Shelf Genie Franchise System, which I came in on the franchisor side and supported all of our franchisees across North America on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, really just got to see the backgrounds of you know, all these different types of people that, hey, all of a sudden they're business owners and the support that we provided them and how they could really have success. And that was my light bulb moment to, hey, this this is a great model and really fell in love with franchising. So fast forward, I partnered with the founder of Shelf Genie. We spun off, we've invested in franchises together. I've got other partners that have invested. You know, I own, I think, five or six different franchises now across America. Um, but I've got good people running them and it allows me to spend most of my time helping other clients um, you know, do exactly what I've done. I uh, kind of build out that portfolio. So I love just helping people and exposing people and uh, to these different opportunities. And uh, yeah, they, so I've been on the consulting side just under five years now. Very cool. Um, I'd love to chat about your book a little bit. I see it back behind you again. What was the process of writing the book like? And what was marketing it like? I'd just be very curious about um, what the book launch and everything was like. Yeah, you know, it, I, it was the second book that I've written. The first one I never actually published at the end of the day. You know, I, I didn't feel like it was my best work. And um, you know, so I went back at it, totally started from scratch again. And, you know, I've got three young kids, so there's never time in your life to write a book when you're also working full time. Um, but I was able to really punch out a lot of content early in the morning on Saturdays and Sundays before kids got up, just really got focused uh, for you know for quite a few months. And uh, then I did use a ghostwriter that helped me just pull it together I then edited it before the editor did. So to me, I, I wrote the book. It was my content, but he just kind of helped me put, you know, group some of the things together. So um, had some assistance there, worked with a great uh, company that, that pulled together the book and the design and the artwork and, and everything. Again, my content, but big contribution from them. And, you know, I'm happy to give them a shout out. A-Axel is the name of that one. Um, and, and yeah, I was really excited to get out the door last fall and uh, we've just had great reception. You know, it's hit Amazon number one bestseller in different categories. You know, that's a whole game in and of itself. But, you know, we've had good feedback, you know, would love to share a free copy with all of your listeners. If they come out to our website, share their email address, uh, my assistant will reach out to them with uh, one with links to the book where they can download a free digital copy or audio copy. Um, but then also link to my calendar if they'd like to take a next step and actually have a call. You know, I'd be happy to jump on the phone with them and talk through it. So, um, yeah, really proud of the book. And uh, it's a lot of hard work, but it seemed to have really educated a lot of people, which I've been pleased with. Absolutely. So, I mean, if anybody was interested in, in any of the things you just mentioned, what would be the best way for them to, to reach out to you and, and get that rolling? Yeah, I think to do exactly that, to come out to the website, uh, share their email address. We'll, we'll put you on our monthly newsletter list. We only send it out once a month, but you know, we get like 60% open rates. Just, you know, it's, it's content that's really mm -hmm. been resonating, uh, but we'll send over a free copy of the book as well. And uh, many of our clients, by the time we get on a call, they've already read the book. You know, it's about 90 pages, very readable. And uh, we really 
cut through the fluff and jump to the to the core content. So I would love to share that with your with your listeners. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. Um, John, what is your vision for the next 12 months or so? What are you guys looking to accomplish over there? Yeah, you know, there's so many shiny objects, Tim, and I try to discipline myself every day to say no to as many as I can. I still end up taking on some, but you know, right now, staying the course, you know, we, we're really excited about some of the new franchise companies coming on board. And like I said, we work with over 600 of them, but you know, at any given time, there's 50 or 60 that I really feel strongly about. So um, it's continuing to do what we do. And I think that takes discipline. Um, I'm excited to get my, you know, my new footwear business uh, up and going down there in South Florida. That's a good, good addition to the portfolio. And uh, you know, we may look to expand our team a little bit more too. There's just so much demand in the market. So um, a lot of things to think about. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show and giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, go check out the book, Non-Food Franchising. And if you're interested in the concept, there is a, a way to get semi-passive. Don't expect passive income on anything, really. If somebody's promising passive income to you, they're probably lying unless it's like a syndication or something like that. That is truly passive. But I mean, truly passive income is not usually a great percentage gain. So go out there and tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 